Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo there, all you cool cats and kittens. It's the Sacred Icon Podcast, and we're here to talk more Halo. I'm I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> because Jovial Joshua Hargis, and that's Brian Spain. Brian Arvett, and joined with us again to deconstruct some Halo 4 goodness is our buddy Alex Haruspis. Alex, welcome back. Hello there. Mm. Uh, General Alex, you are a bold one. I just watched Revenge of the Sith last night. What do you oh, think? Nice. I mean, it's really, I mean, of course, I, I, I like it a lot. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I watch it up until Order 60, or up until, um, you know, Anakin turns. And I'm like, this is just good. <laughs> and then once Anakin turns, I'm like, okay, this is really good. You know what I mean? Like all the really good stuff. Actually, more, probably that scene where he's staring out, like crying, you know, yeah, thinking dude. about what's about to happen. That's the whole, like, tonal shift. I uh, love that moment. But anyways, relatable. I got to stop topic there. And somehow we made it through the beginning of the pandemic without ever doing a Tiger King intro on the show. Thank God. But now we did. <laughs> Why? That was, dude, like a year ago now almost. And like. It's pretty uh, much all to the side. It uh, went and it came and it went. I think it was just like the, as soon as the pandemic took off, people were just like, this is something nice to talk about that's not the pandemic i guess i guess seeing a man whose life is so horrible it makes it feel better about the pandemic <laughs> so it's so, such a strange time i don't know uh, but, but yeah anyways. So guys we are going to get into some meat potatoes um there's something i wanted to do with brian and alex for a minute uh and really kind of break down some of the announcements um some vid docs um quotes that were pulled just a lot of this stuff all kind of leading up to Halo 4's release. Uh, if you guys have gone back in the archives, you can look at, uh, listen to our MCC retrospective. We did a Halo 5 one. Um, so if you kind of listen to those, you kind of know what to expect with this. But this is going to be fun. So we're going to dig right into this and get started with um, June 6th at E3 2011 at the Los Angeles Convention Center. This is when Almost Microsoft 10 revealed years ago. Halo 4. Yeah, right? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, this was the trailer where you sort of see the, what the veins or the, you know, the arteries kind of flowing to the heart the and stuff heart, like I that. Think, yeah. Mm. And, uh, just for a quick description, chief emerges to a panicked Cortana explosions are funneling throughout the Ford unto dawn chief plants his feet just off the outside of the ship before the camera pans around and you'll get the reveal of what we'll come to learn is this very mysterious forerunner planet. 
and then cues Halo 4 to this ominous tone set for a holiday 2012. One of my favorite variations of the Halo theme, which only plays for about like 20 seconds there, but it's got that dark kind of metallic thrumming sort of heartbeat behind it as well. Yes. Like, oh. Yeah, it's I'm very ready. special. So it's dark. I, I want that. I want to own yeah. that, have that. Wow. Well, I wonder why they haven't done that. But w- w- what were you guys like when you guys first saw that? What were your thoughts? Absolute hype. Just, just <laughs> when um, I, was it Phil? I don't I don't think it was Phil. It might have been Don Matrick. I can't remember who. But uh, when they said, you know, oh, we've got one more thing to show you before they then showed that trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please be Halo. Please be something. Because they'd, uh, they'd already showed off um, Anniversary, Halo 1 Anniversary. Mm-hmm. At that point, and uh, we thought that was going to be like our fill uh, for for the year, but uh, they showed that off, and I thought, oh god, this is everything I wanted. <laughs> yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead Brian. Josh. No, 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 I'll, I'll remember. I was just gonna say, saying. like, uh, it's it's crazy how like if you kind of look back for for all three of us here, if you look back, you know, ten years, fifteen years, you you can see how you got more, uh, your head got more deep into the gaming industry as time went on, because like. I'd say like in like high school years, I mostly was just like, I'm going to go to IGN.com and see what the news is. Like that's as simple as I was. And then eventually it was like, I got into things like there was used to be the NeoGAF forum, et cetera, Twitter, you know, you get really deep into that stuff. So I remember being at my parents' house because that's where I lived at the time. And they announced, um, actually it came out a little early. It was before it got announced, the Halo, um, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. It got like leaked a little early. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I'm so excited for Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. And then during E3, I left and went to a friend's house. And by the time I got there, because we were going to play World of Warcraft, I set my PC up and I got on and I checked IGN real quick and it's like Halo 4 announced. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Hold the phone. Everybody stop. I got, I watched a trailer and you know, you see like the the heart valve kind of, Chief, I need you. And then like, He's like, I'm here, you know, and then it's like the dun 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 dun, and it's just, and then like, there's just so much to take in because I'm like, wait a minute, I never thought I'd see Chief wake up. Why does Cortana look like that? She kind of looks like her Halo Combat Evolved look. Mm, I like and that then, like, look that she's got in the, in that trailer. I like We've it never too. Never seen that asset again. Yeah, I really like it too. Um, and then you see the gun that you're like, what gun is that? I've never seen it. And then you see the planet, and you're like, oh, that's the planet from the end of Halo Three. And I was so, I mean, I was just hair standing up on the back of my neck. Did I that downloaded your, like Wow session. Were you What's just that? like mentally like Halo now? I don't even. Yeah, it was. Think well, I actually WoW. Like, we went to go play WoW. I was like, we, I said, let's turn the TV on back then to G four, where they were just talking about all the news. Oh, I just I wanted G4. to be playing back. G4. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I downloaded like the highest. I think at the time was probably ten eighty, the highest quality trailer possible. Um, it was cutting so, like, edge. Probably at the a bit three sixty p for me. Three sixty p was barely and, off uh, dial up then. <laughs> oh, oh, yikes! Yeah. I remember yeah. those times though. But even though I had like good internet to watch it over and over again, I wanted to, it's like one of those deals where it's like, yeah, I, this is this trailer is so precious to me. I want to download it so that no one can take <clears> it away from me, you know. <laughs> and uh, I just rewatched it over and over again, and I just thought, I, I don't know, I, I just didn't. It was kind of a surprise to me because I kind of thought Halo Three was the last time I could ever be that excited mm-hmm. for Halo. Like I thought it was just because I thought it was in a sense it was the end, obviously. And I think there was a lot of pessimism from other games in the industry of thinking, well, once Bungie's not making it, it probably won't be good anymore. Because we've seen that with so many other franchises. I was going to ask, um, where did this have you guys in terms of like speculation? 
I mean, we're, you know, chief That's waking up like That's an interesting one, yeah, because um, the topic of the what was then called the legendary planet at the end of Halo 3 was one of the main sort of things that people were talking about on forums and everything. It's like, oh, what does this mean? Oh, the Master Chief is going into the Marathon universe, which Bungie denied outright, and that would always come up. Oh, it's it's Onyx from Ghosts of Onyx. It's that shield. Well, well it wasn't because it's still in slip space at that point. So, um, you know... There, there were a lot of kind of like theories which like didn't quite make sense. So it was clear that, uh, certainly to me, that this was going to be something like brand new, something completely different. Uh, and of course, we'd had like hints at the end of uh, Halo 3 with the terminals, Mendicant Bias and everything. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just like, it was this brand new kind of frontier of kind of anything's possible. Man. Yeah, I think I think uh, the big question for me, for both, actually, for both Halo 4 and Gears of War 4, the biggest question for me was, like, what the hell are we going to be fighting? Mm. You know, because I was just like, with Halo 3, it's like, okay, well, it shouldn't be the Covenant. And then with Gears of War 3, it was like, okay, it's a pretty conclusive end to Gears of War 3. Like, they're all... You literally fire a Halo ring and kill all the uh, all focused. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just, I, it was actually, I mean, so, like, I didn't under, I didn't, you know, I thought maybe we'd be fighting Forerunners, which we... We did essentially in four, but you know through the the method of Prometheans, um, and then with like gears, it was like I just couldn't imagine. Like we we I remember me and and Josh and our, our friend Justin, we would just kind of theorize what what gears could possibly what you could possibly fight next, and none of us considered the idea of like they went into like hibernation and mm. kind of evolved. That's which what, I th- <coughs> excuse I think me. What I love about speculation is like I feel like no one. People rarely ever get the nail on the head because you're like in a mental box of only what you yeah. know and you can't ever seem to think outside of it. And then meanwhile, they're thinking outside of it. So or I think it's kind of I think it's kind of neat. You know, I know there's a lot of um, negativity for Prometheans, um, even amongst myself. I'm not the hugest fan of them, but I think there's some I'd like to give some credit for them doing the Prometheans, because if you look at so many other even Halo itself, so it's so often easy to make up excuses for us to fight the thing we already beat. I mean, you look at like Star Wars. You know, I love the I love the sequels, but you're, you're kind of like you're just fighting Empire 2.0. A lot of times, these these uh, series, whether it's Gears, Star Wars, Halo, whatever, you know, the the enemy is such a huge, crucial part of the foundation of mm-hmm. what people expect that you can't escape it. But they they went they really went in a different direction with the Prometheans for yeah, better or worse. The thing is, like, um, you know, Halo hadn't had a new enemy class. For a long, long time, not since the flood <laughs> was introduced, really, we yeah. had some new like additions made to the roster of those enemies. But Covenant and Flood—that was just kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, moving on to August twenty-eighth at the Halo Fest panel uh, from PAX Prime twenty eleven, mm. uh, Halo Four was revealed at this point to be the first in a trilogy known as the Reclaimer trilogy. Later changed to Saga. Um, do you guys remember, you know, when you first heard that this was sort of going to be a, a, not just a one-off sort of sequel, but this is going to be a, a sort of planned new trilogy? What were you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, they uh, talked about this a lot on panels and that, where they said, you know, we've got a very defined story that we want to tell. We've got we've got it all planned out. <laughs> <laughs> we've, um, you know, we've really sort of, approach this from asking the question of where do we want to take the master chief on this on this journey through this next trilogy and we see that come up a lot in the materials that we'll be talking about going forward clearly that plan changed a lot um, yes yeah, seems like it <laughs> seems like a little <laughs> quite, bit quite a bit but um but yeah like when they were initially talking about that it was just like oh because you know the original halo trilogy wasn't really planned out 
at all. Right. <laughs> they, they released Halo 1 and, you know, they weren't, they didn't know that they were making what would become a console-defining phenomenon for the generation. They released Halo 2 after, like, the worst crunch ever, uh, where they had to cut the last act of the game and then make another one to, to finish the fight. And then they did Halo 3, and they were calling it quits from there. But, of course, they had their deal with Microsoft, where they had to do three more games. Um, well, you know, three more games, including Halo 3. So then that went on to become ODST and Reach. So it was always kind of like sort of flying by the seat of their pants, sort of you'd have you have no idea yeah. like what's kind of coming next. Uh, well, were you guys kind of like when Halo 4 initially got that announcement at E3, were you guys thinking like, okay, cool, like were you guys more focused on the, just the fact that like we're getting another Halo, it's officially, it's, it's you know, it's, it's happening? Or were you, you know, speculating like are they going to try to like really take this somewhere else, like build upon it? Like... You know what I mean? Like, did you think there might be more to it, or did you think Halo 4 was just sort of as far as they were looking at that point in time? Uh, hard to say, really. I think it, kind of a mix of both, but uh, generally it was just sort of like, <laughs> more Halo, more Mark yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Well, I kind of... Yeah, I, I kind of really bought into the, you know, they had a planned trilogy, and I think in a, to a sense, in a sense they did, um, and I expected it would be a trilogy that was obviously with the title Reclaimer, trilogy i thought you know this is going to go into the forerunners which have been there for so long it makes sense um you know i was really excited about that you know the thing and i'll keep this short because this could be this could be an episode in itself but like i just have such a running a, line in our series here yeah <laughs> i have such an issue with fandom i just i just you know it's a love and hate it thing because i really feel like the personally i feel like the fans are to blame for most of the issues that go on in giant franchises because I believe Halo 4 was a very competent release that did was was you know did well for continuing the series and I don't blame 343 in a sense for being reactionary because this is like a new team taking on the biggest one of the biggest IPs in the world what what can you expect but like to me I just feel like and prefacing that I don't know what happened internally like somebody from 343 can listen and say man this guy doesn't know any idea what was going on but I just feel like um, Halo 5 was, there's a lot of reaction to what happened in 4 with their mm -hmm. direction they took 5. And then obviously with what happened with 5, it was once again a direction shift. Now, I'll give them props that like, it feels more like for like, with like Halo 4, they had a plan for 5. Mm -hmm. But then they probably like made a lot of changes on the fly because 5 came out just three years later. But with 5, it, it kind of seems like they kind of went, okay, we need to take a step back, really self-evaluate, really figure out what we want to do. Because it's now going to be six years the time Infinite comes out, but we never really saw a Reclaimer trilogy. It didn't. It didn't really go like that. And I think a lot of it has to do with trying to satisfy a fan base that is so vocal and so loud and passionate. And like, it's good and bad because you know people say like, oh well, they need to listen to the fans because the fans are the ones that that you know um, that make it possible for them to make what they make. But like, you see so many times in in history where when a when somebody was able to make something they were passionate about, it became beloved. Like, you know, the Empire Strikes Back, you know, you hear about people just, like, so upset by that. Like, Luke's supposed to be with Leia, and, and Luke's father can't be Darth Vader, and it's not a happy ending. Boy, have I got news for you. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and then even, we're even seeing it with, you know, The Last Jedi now. You're seeing some people say, hey, this is one of the best Star Wars films. Obviously, you're seeing people say the opposite as well, but, like, you know, when things are given a chance to, to be different, you let a creator kind of go with it 
Mm-hmm. You have something really special. I mean, every hey man, it's people like, look at Halo Four so positively now. And we got Halo before. Two as well. Hey, same, yeah, Halo Two because Halo Halo Three was really safe in my book, mm-hmm. really safe and really and the, the while a great game, great experience, the story was kind of like let's simplistically tie up loose ends and bring this thing wrap this thing up in a bow. Where Halo Two was like yeah. we're going in so many different directions. And it's kind of like the the phrase that Josh always likes to bring back up from Jason Jones, like juggling more balls than you can catch. With Halo 2, it really felt like they had 80 balls in the air, and they managed yep. to catch most of them. Where Halo 3 mm. was like, okay, let's just do a soft... Train in the circus before they went to work at 3 yeah. Halo 3 was like, let's just do let's just do six balls, and we'll catch them all. That's what yeah. it felt like to me. So, <laughs> I think it goes to show you definitely have to sometimes just, to, if you can, ignore what people want. Because like if you would have asked me back in like 2000, hey, what kind of... like if we're going to make a game in which you kill aliens, what kind of game do you want? I'm going to throw all these things I want, and, and I, I would have missed out on what Halo Combat Evolved is now. You know? Yeah, I think ultimately you've really got to... You can't make a game for fans, because fans don't have the perspective, really, of being a developer and knowing... Fans don't know what they want. <laughs> they, they need Completely to... Completely agree, you know, Alex. Yeah. They, they come on board because they love you for you, for like you know what you do. And then, you know, it, the dynamic sort of shifts to do what I want. And you should yeah. never do that. Just never, ever. Like, well, fandom you know, is innately selfish. You yeah. can't even please everyone anyway, right? So, like, yeah. you try to go with the I mean, obviously, the word fan, having come from fanatic. Yeah. Yes. I've, I've talked about it. We think we did a podcast once way back over a year ago where the whole theme of the episode was how fans, you know, this short for fanatic and how that's a bad thing. Um, but, uh, it, you know... I just I encourage people to always think about, you know, the direction of their the series that they're fans of because it's like how selfish are you being in it? Because if you get new people who like people are introduced to the franchise through Halo Four, through Halo Five, people are gonna be introduced to the franchise for Halo Infinite. And you get such a, such elitism where it's like, oh, well, I played it back when it was Combat Evolved, or mm. you know, I um, saw you're not, Star Wars when it was in theaters. Yeah, I don't like, give oh, a you, shit. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not That's a true cool. fan. You're not a true fan because I was there when Bungie was making it. Like that is such a horrible way to look at it. It's the wrong yeah. way to look at it. And if absolutely, you know, if if people are now fans of Halo because of Five, like that's just awesome. Hey, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll say you know. Me back at the time when you were telling me, Brian, what all this Halo, the Forerunner trilogy and all this stuff, you're like being my sort of uh, library, if you will, and giving me all this information. And you're talking to me about this Reclaimer stuff. In my head, I'm like, who the Reclaimer trilogy? What's that? You know, like who lost something? What's he trying to get back? It just to me, that sounds cool. Like if I'm not in a, the Halo sphere of things, that sounds pretty tight. I wish so. I wish I gave I wish I gave uh I was able to give Alex to you as as your Halo library because you were getting like the ghetto. You're getting the ghetto library for me. You're getting like one of them little libraries by the street for me. Like Alex was like a full on like university. <laughs> oh man, with the accent too, it's amazing. Um, yeah, Josh Holmes said, "Love Josh Holmes." What are you guys' thoughts on Josh Holmes? Love him. He's not Great there. Guy. I was hoping to meet him a couple of years back. Um, I think it was in 2019 at uh, Gamescom because I think they were planning to go there for scavengers, but unfortunately they weren't able to make it that year. Uh, but I would love to meet him because uh, well, he, he's read some of my stuff and we've had a bit of a chat. So it'd be really good to actually sort of meet that's face fantastic, to face when Alex. that's humanly possible. What do you think, Brian? Uh, yeah, I really like Josh Holmes. Um, I think I said something, I don't know, probably six months or so ago about how like it's crazy how uh, so many of the 343, I guess, personalities, you could call them, people at the forefront of the studio 
have now cemented themselves in Halo history for me. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. when 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 uh, 343 started, you know, people like Kiki, Wolfkill, Bonnie Ross, even though Bonnie Ross was involved in some form before uh, 343 with Halo projects. Um, for me, they were just new people that meant nothing to me because I didn't I didn't know them. You know, and then, like I was just hanging on to like you know your Jason Jones, Joe State, and Marty O'Donnell. But now, as time goes on, like you know, people like Kiki Wolfkill. Uh, uh, well, I've lost my train of thought there. Um, you know, everybody else who's involved, Frank O'Connor, who was there with Halo. Oh, wow, you were not going to appear it on the podcast, guys. But your voice just glitched like crazy. <laughs> it's okay, come really? crystal clear. But wow, did that sound so? It, much I probably looked unique. like I probably looked like the uh, the. Uh, <laughs> I probably looks like Palpatine from episode one where the hologram kind of shifts. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. performance right there. Go ahead. Bro. But uh, yeah, Bonnie Ross and um, just everybody involved in that crew. What's the one, uh, what's the, what's the dude? You remember in Halo 5, uh, the sprint, the guy who got to see him. Quentin Del Hoyo. Yeah. Quentin Del Hoyo, Del Hoyo, like all these people that uh, are just really, you know, part of Halo to me and they're, they're just as cool and cemented. So yeah, I love, I love them all. I mean, there's nobody there. I that love Josh Holmes. He came from people, working on like EA big titles and stuff like that. And I, I think he did an IGN unfiltered episode with Ryan McCaffrey. I think it was that. And uh, just hearing about how he kind of got to three four three and where he was at and stuff like that. I mean, it's just fantastic guy. Anytime I've seen him in interviews, he's always very um, personable, very sociable. Uh, I, I like that about him. I mean, he just and you know, you know the, he's all a good these face. people came together across like from the industry because ultimately they were really passionate about the idea of continuing Halo. They all had their ideas about this should continue. That the, there's more to do here, yeah. uh, and you know it's really kind of a passion project ultimately between um, this crazy sort of situation of like 300 people coming together over the course of those three years to to tell this story. That's quite insane. Um, yeah. So Josh Holmes said. When we first started working on laying the plans for the Reclaimer trilogy a little over two years ago, we kind of knew exactly the story we wanted to tell. It's really important for us. A lot of what this trilogy is going to focus on is exploring the character Master Chief and what it means to bring him back and really getting a little bit closer to that character than we've ever experienced before in any of the past games. I think there's a lot of depth to John that does uh, that exists in primarily a lot of other fiction that we really felt we wanted to explore more deeply and lay a journey for him that would transform and evolve him as a character and a man. Now, I know with stuff like this, it's not like we're all seeing it, me certainly not, um, as this stuff is coming out. But was the idea of Chief sort of getting to be explored more personally uh, very exciting for you guys coming off the fiction side of things? Definitely. You know, uh, as, a, as a fan of the extended universe, it really felt like there were two universes. There was the game universe and everything else yeah uh, and they never really kind of came together as one it felt oh, very good. you know because obviously the context there being that you know bungie didn't want the expanded universe in the first place they just wanted to make their damn game <laughs> and they tried <laughs> to get uh, fall of reach killed which you know thankfully they didn't um so ever especially coming off reach as well which felt like kind of a final middle finger to that <laughs> in a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> love um, the game but i agree uh yeah yeah definitely because ultimately you know the game brought so many people to the series and uh, you know love it for that but uh in terms of the sort of internal perspective at bungie you know i don't think they even really considered it beyond maybe a couple of kind of easter eggs and what they could use mm -hmm. um so yeah like the prospect of 
that greater sense of connectivity across the universe because Halo presents itself as a very sort of connected universe where these stories that it tells matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you can miss out on some of them. Like you don't have to read First Strike to to sort of figure out what happens between Halo One and Two. You can just go from between those games, but uh, there are some major questions which you're kind of asking at the start of the game. Like, oh yeah, how did uh, how did Johnson survive when he just yes. says, "Oh yeah, that's classified." It's like, oh okay, I guess I'll just ne- never find out. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, they've got this book. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, this is going to sound uh, pretty. Oh, go ahead. I want to hear you first, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, um, I think when they were talking about like exploring uh, Master Chief's like personality more and like him as a person, his humanity, yeah. my big concern you know before which i was i was down for that but my big concern was like are they gonna screw it up are they gonna make it weird or make it not seem like him mm-hmm. um and you know for me personally when i played halo 4 i completely bought into that being the same chief i thought they did it masterfully um which is which weird when i hear people say that he doesn't act like chief in four because to me i, I just felt like they nailed it i do i do feel there's moments where he's a bit off in five but even then it's not like a night and day thing it's not like ruined you know what i mean are you so. are you telling me negative infinity i don't like it <laughs> well i think the one i think the one scene that really kind of like took me out of the experience when i played halo 5 was where you you land on genesis as lock and chief comes over the comms and he's like how the hell did you get here <laughs> i was like i just like i didn't it took me out i didn't believe that he would say that oh, chief. Um, but one of my favorites is when uh, you know he's with Blue Team, you know he's with his with his fam, his essentially his family, and uh, they're on Genesis. And Kelly asks, you know, oh, I've never worked with an AI before. You know, what was it like having you know somebody in your head all the time? <laughs> Chief just goes like in response, you know, when when he asks him to talk about, it, he's like, no. <laughs> i actually forgot that <laughs> yeah there's there's some moments where that's you know and not, it, you on, know, on we, one we, level it kind of makes sense because it sort of presents their relationship as being kind of unique and kind of intimate to them uh between the chief and cortana it's like something separate and it's kind of hard to talk about because he's obviously kind of yeah. lost her uh, but at the same time it kind of summarizes his characterization in five in a nutshell really is that <laughs> if you want something you ain't getting it out of him <laughs> yeah uh, this is going to sound like a dumb question, but if you guys can just take your brains back 10 years ago, was there a lot of talk about Master Chief showing his face? Like Halo 4's <laughs> new game, Master Chief's back. Has there ever not been? <laughs> yeah. I know, but that's what I mean. Like, what I feel like I feel like that wasn't really there as much with 5. I didn't see it, at least, and I was there for that. So for you guys, was that still a thing that was being talked about? Oh, yeah, about absolutely. Or? That has been okay. like a long-running... Th- uh, there was um, a Halo 3 Vidoc... Um, where Tyson Green, I think it was, where he's talking about like, oh, what kind of story are we going to tell in Halo 3? Oh, mm-hmm. let's do a story about Earth getting destroyed, or let's show the Chief's face. And uh, it's kind of always been there, sort of as this big question, because obviously he is the the sort of the faceless hero in the games. Yeah. And uh, you know, the sort of approach that 4 takes is, uh, by the end of it, literally pulling the armor off of him uh, to, to deconstruct him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a single benefit to showing his face in game. I can't think of one. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I want it, but I don't think I'd necessarily be mad if they showed. I mean, it. We already know what he looks like in, across several forms of media. How do you feel, Alex, if they ever showed that? Ah, I'm, I'm really divided because my ideal ending for the chief, which I think we've discussed before, uh, would probably involve showing his face, not as like mm. a, a feature of it, but just like naturally what would be necessitated by it. But uh, 
Yeah. You know, I, I've kind of, I don't mind really. I'm, I see the benefit of not, not doing it because, uh, you know, ultimately you do want to maintain some of that projection for the players while also sure. respecting that he isn't the player. He is his own character. He's always been his yeah. own character because yeah. he's never been a truly silent protagonist. And he's often been sort of misidentified as one. He's no Gordon Freeman or, <laughs> or you know, yeah, uh, uh, that's always kind of baffled me. So it, yeah, it's kind of a tough one because obviously it's something that a lot of people have got strong opinions on. But uh, my ideal ending would probably involve like showing it. I guess they could do it similar to how they originally planned in Halo Two, where the camera is just <laughs> very low cut underneath his sort of butt around his chin. Yeah, mm. that'd be cool. Speaking of that, though, speaking of Chief, Kenneth Scott uh, regarding Chief's armor uh, had to say. The chief you saw in the teaser is not the final chief. We understand how important chief is to this universe and the people who play him, and we probably on iterate or we're probably on iteration number four right now. There's a lot of love and investment in making sure he's the best he can possibly be. I think the focus for him specifically was really wanting the player character to feel like him. Sell that fantasy of I'm a bioengineered superhero wearing 800 pounds of tank and jet fighter. Hopefully, once we cross the finish line, you guys are playing. Uh, when you guys are playing that, it'll read that to you. Uh, you guys love Chief's armor, right? Halo Four, isn't that your Absolutely, favorite? Absolutely, yeah, my favorite. But uh, at the time, oh my god! <laughs> so this was kind—I of, guess you'd call this the origin of the art style discourse. Mm. Um, they had in the announcement teaser for Halo Combat and Evolved Anniversary, they had a different model for Chief's armor, which more closely resembled his kind of original nineteen ninety nine sort of yeah. soldier look. PC one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably not intentionally, I'm not sure, but uh, there was a storm over that over that design uh, because, of course, they changed that eventually for uh, for the final game. And then when they showed this off for Halo Four, they were Chief's armor looks different. Oh, what's this all about? <laughs> yeah, I um, you know this is one of those things where like I under I understand from a from a fan perspective like how little little changes can af- can affect people in big ways, mm-hmm. but for me, um, just for every iteration of Halo, it's always just been like, looks like Master Chief to me, I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, That's how I, I think I think 4, he looks great. Um, I think if I, if you forced me to choose one that I think his worst look, I would say 5, but I like him in 5. I'm perfectly mm. happy with it. I was going to say, the thing I love the most, well, I, lo- I both love it and hate it when it comes to Phantoms, but like, when things like this happen, like when the Infinite uh, gameplay demo dropped, because you have like, whatever, like 8 minutes or whatever of footage, and that's all you've had, and you've been waiting so long to see what this looks like. You chomp at the bits for every little bit. What's this new shotgun? What's this? How's the pistol look? And how's it fire? And all these different things. And something with like Chief's armor, it matters to you so much in that moment. Whereas maybe a couple months from then, you're like, yeah. Like Brian, for example, when he first saw the 117 on there, he was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Now yeah. he's like, yeah, that I can I see I love that. it now. Yeah. yeah. But it's just funny because like, sometimes people can get pretty toxic with it. But the other times, you're so excited that it's just it's badass to to see like and you think of the game. general player base like yeah. it's master chief cool move on <laughs> like yeah, that that's, that's kind of how they probably i, I hate to sound it. say it but i mean that's kind of how i am like anytime i just see him i don't care what his armor looks like i'm excited because they hit they play that piano chord and i'm like oh god <laughs> it's chief <laughs> i miss you so much <laughs> i i i think it's important to, to choose which hill you want to die on because you know as alex has went to detail before like these things are so collaborative and there's just a million sacrifices to get to the end so when when you when the product's finished you know if you kind of envision yourself like you know 
the, I think the concept behind like picking a hill you want to die on is like, if you can get one thing changed or if something's really important to you, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think for with Halo Five, I think the fan base dying on the hill of this isn't the kind of storytelling or quality of story we want going forward. Mm-hmm. I think that was very beneficial because I think it's for most people we can say that that's not a, a good direction um, to continue mm. for Halo. But um, something like Chief's Armor or whatnot, like, I'm not discrediting anyone's opinion if they don't like it. That's completely fair. But it's like, you know, for me, it's like, it's just, it's just for instance, like with the 117, when they first showed off Infinite and he had 117 on his chest, I went, in my head, I went, I don't really like that. Why'd they put that there? And then I just put it in the back of my head and for, I just quit talking about it because what is the benefit of, I mean, it's so, inc- I'm talking about painted numbers on his armor. <laughs> it's not, it's not worth it, yeah. you know? So... No, I get that. Uh, I mean, I guess it goes to show, though, that it's like it's definitely an important thing for them to want to get right, right? Especially it's interesting because obviously, in the uh, design of Master Chief in Halo Four, is they have the braille on his uh, on his armor, the the little dots which yeah. read one seventeen on it. That's really cool. I really like that as just a de- as a sort of design decision because it speaks kind of to the larger universe in that in ODST there's a lot of stuff that kind of looks like braille around and I just imagined in my head that maybe this is like a common form of communication in like the 26th century which would be really cool so uh, that's always like something that I just kind of held in my own kind of headcanon for for the alien universe I like that no the thing I will say is a more I don't know if you have this in your notes in the future Josh but it's cool (coughs) Um, one thing I'll say is a fair criticism is the whole, and I don't blame him for trying to think of something, but the, the nano machines for armor. <laughs> oh, um, I, I don't know if I have it. I think Frank the Frank issue O'Connor. with that is really how it's presented. Because obviously when you just have a have a guy say, oh yeah, it's nanobots, people would be like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense to me. Whereas if they'd actually shown that in a story where Cortana is, you know, she's on board the the Ford Hunter Dawn, she's got nothing to do, so she actually, like, starts working on Chief's armor. She starts doing it up a bit. That's um, a good point, Alex. Is what I would have done film. to that, which is, like, you know, something you could just do in, like, a short story. You could just have, uh, just to plug something of my own, I, I wrote that little short story myself. It's <laughs> <laughs> something that I really wanted to see. <laughs> is that, would that be at Haruspis.blog? Is that where it that would, would indeed, be? yes. Uh, I actually don't remember which article it's part of, but it's one of the, the Master Chief ones. That I, it's probably the character study for the Chief in Halo 4. Okay. You guys should check that out if you haven't already, by the way. Um, and Steve Downs approved. Steve Downs approved. Man. Uh, Can't Steve. beat that. Uh, yeah, you can, right? That's a stamp of approval right there. Frank <laughs> O'Connor, regarding places we may go. I love this little bit. Uh, um, he said, the other interesting thing, and you can see it in some of the concept art, is you lived with inert, static, Forerunner abandoned structures. It's going to be real interesting to see a different aspect of Forerunner engineering and Forerunner, Forerunner architecture when it's not completely inert and dead and empty. And I just, I loved this, not having, um, you know, I was just playing the game when it came out, but I mean, that's something that I didn't really consider, I guess, going into the game, that, you know, all the Forerunner stuff we see in all the previous Halo games, and now there's this sort of, like, sandbox of, like, okay, what if that stuff wasn't just sort of there, like, but it was, like, living and breathing and all that? Was that an exciting thing for you guys? Yeah, very much so. You know, the origin of that was actually from Greg Bear, where um, they, when they were talking about sort of the concept kind of vision for the forerunners he said that uh, the way he looked at it when sort of conceiving of this universe was that what we see in the original trilogy is uh, and he used the specific words to describe it was that these were forerunner structures like naked uh they didn't have <laughs> anything sort of like you know they, they weren't active that. yeah 
Whereas 100,000 years ago, you know, in their prime, when they're not just being maintained autonomously, they're actually being, you know, built and worked upon by actual living forerunners. Then we see a lot more kind of the magical sort of aspect to them with, uh, you know, all the sort of extra things that they've got going on. Yeah, for me, it's like, I think um, Taras said this in one of his videos, one of the multiplayer map ones. But like, for me personally, I never really took as much time to sort of soak in some of the uh, the aesthetics and sort of the objects and stuff in worlds and games in general. Like, it depends on the game, but um, with something like Halo, I just, I remember seeing those and I was like, what are those? That's interesting. And then mm. I would hear a bit of that and then it would go in one ear out the other because I just, I was terrible with that. <laughs> and uh, And it's one of those things where it's like, I love that they have those there. I mean, if you can go back to a time before 343 was a thing, it's just cool because it sort of, paints that theater of the mind of like mm. this is a world that like has been there before you as the player got to that point you know and it's been living and breathing and what stories do that does that kind of tell within that fold um so i think that was uh just looking back at least in hindsight i think that's such a cool ass idea and i love that statement because even for me that just gave me goosebumps like what the fuck are you saying frank yeah and part but, of uh, it of course is I, I, uh, technology like you know when you can you when you've got more powerful engine to work with and you can do more things why wouldn't you you know build right. more of what you do with these structures and make yeah. them kind of more active and everything of course you would yeah yeah exactly. yeah i think that flows right? perfectly into the whole like concept behind you know there was such an outcry about how the foreigner stuff didn't look the same in halo 4 people didn't like the design of it and maybe i'm just not as like irritated by smaller details but like i i, I never really bothered me how things looked in halo 4 the man stuff, I, think, I thought it looked great i think people were just like me back then dude because you pointed it out to me and you totally you were totally right and i was wrong but i remember saying i was like man halo 4 is just the all the forerunner stuff man, it's just so bland it's so boring it's just it's all gray everywhere and you were like well josh wasn't that kind of what it was like in the other halo games and i was like what <laughs> and i thought about it and i was like Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess it looks pretty. You know, it took me time, but, like, you were totally right on that. I don't see... I mean, come on, like, it's a 360 game at the end of its generation. Can it look a little bit different? Like, and, and can it look, like, cooler and better because of the whole, like, lore aspects, you know? Well, like, I think, I uh, like, I know Alex has talked about it before on Twitter, but, like, that the, in the second mission, the scene where you come up out of the cave and you see the, the hanging pillars or, or whatever you want to call them... Uh, it's like a, it's a magical moment of that mm. game, you know. Is it is the track to play? Is that Requiem the track yeah. that plays? Yeah. Oh my god, I love that <laughs> track so much. Just chills. Oh my gosh. Mm. Um, so I might be mispronouncing this. You guys can correct me. So Sotaro Tajima. Yeah. Okay. Uh, regarding the audio for Halo Four, this was such a cool moment, uh, and I'll tell you guys why. He, he said, "With a strong connection of story and story and audio, I want to move people who love Halo." make you excited, feel tension, and cry. <laughs> and obviously, English isn't his first language, but when he finished saying this, there was a huge pop from the crowd. And the cool thing about this was, at this point in time, it wasn't officially announced, you know, who the composers were and everything like that. Um, it, it just, the vibe I got from watching this was that there was, like, p- the people in the crowd just seemed so excited. Like, they didn't really care that they you know, weren't going to have marty and michael even though they didn't know he was going to be there but there was this overwhelming sort of like excitement like the people were just behind whatever they were wanting to do um where were you guys at at this point in time and i think we talked about this a bit in the beginning um of this series but 
going into Halo 4, was that even something you guys were thinking about in terms of just the music, the score, you know, uh, conceptually? Where were Definitely, you guys at? With that? You know, the, uh, being the sort of mega fans that we are, it's all these like little bits that we're that we're all thinking. Yeah. Oh, and what about the music? Oh, what about like you know X, Y, or Z? And uh, yeah, we knew that uh, Marty wasn't going to be coming back, and that Michael would uh, would be carrying on with with Bungie. Yeah. Um, you know, because there there had been the whole sort of like moving process between Bungie and three four three, where those who wanted to stay on would stay on, those who wanted to you know carry on with Bungie and move on to Destiny. Uh, stayed there so it was just very exciting because i was never wedded to um you know marty and michael's scores i loved them i've still listened to them today but i yeah i'm very keen to hear what kind of you know other sounds there are to kind of add to this universe and other sort of themes and tones because my favorite soundtrack at the time was odst that's like jazz saxophones and everything that's not you know halo that's not halo music and when you watch the old pax interview with uh with marty on there he says yeah the first thing that i did uh when making this soundtrack was i just threw away everything to do with halo and it's like yeah you should be able to do that you should be able to do something different something new that matches the tone of the game um and you know there's obviously certain expectations that go into that but it, it just always felt really sort of like grating to me that uh, you know you you let marty do that but you won't let any other composer do that it's just like no they they need to have free reign to to use that artistic process to find a real, their own unique voice for the new halo story that uh, that's being told there's there's Definitely. too much i think there's way too much idolizing going on in fandoms with like, you know one person's got to be it's got to be he's the best no matter what just because his name um you know um i'm thinking of like the mandalorian people really like the music for that that's not love that it's ludwig was it ludwig Gorenson? Gorens- yeah I don't know. it's not well it's not john williams and you know it was for so long it was like it's got to be um it's got to be john williams and I, I see so many you know and to their i feel like it's less um less bigger names in the halo community whatever that means but like i see people still all the time being like oh Marty, you know on twitter oh marty they got to get you back the game would be legendary if they had you and i'm like you know i'm, I'm a fan of marty but like i don't i don't need him back Man. at all and i'm, I'm not begging for that because i don't it doesn't matter to me mm. you know he's just i would love if they could do one if they just did some kind of spin-off game some one-off thing where they brought him back for that sort of a not necessarily a reunion thing, but something that felt like tonally it would it would fit more to have that because I don't think it's not that it wouldn't be. Cool. I, I kind of changed my perspective on that. I used to think I really just I wanted them to bring it back so bad. Every single new Halo game, I'm like, please bring back Marty and Michael. And obviously, Michael never gets as much credit, and he deserves so much. But oh, you listen um, to the music he's making on Destiny Two now. It's like and has been, for, dude. Uh, the Forsaken Jesus. score is <laughs> yeah. so fucking good. I listen to that like regularly, and I love it so much. So so good. He killed it. He's brilliant. absolutely killed it. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think just, I think we've seen. I I love Marty when I'm saying this, but I think we've seen a little bit too how like that can kind of go to their head a bit when you hold them in such a, mm. such a high regard. Well, because the thing I like, I remember, I think Marty said it once himself, but Marty was like, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, I, I, I like to sometimes think outside the box and do things. Whereas Michael's much more comfortable in this sort of way. And like, when I listen to the destiny's two soundtrack, I, I, I hear that. Like I can hear that sort of symmetry, that sort of marriage, that tether to halo. Um, and I love it for that. And then you, you know, you, you can, I, I, I'll put it this way. It's like, 
you listen to Destiny soundtrack that had Marty and Michael, and then you listen to Destiny 2 that just had Michael, and you can hear the differences. They're both great in their own right, but you can definitely hear sort of uh, how they kind of, uh, they were like the sort of Paul and John, you know, the Beatles in that way, in that sense, how they kind of helped one another with that. Funny you should say that since Paul McCartney worked on Destiny 1 soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> right. <Duh. laughs> I think the the thing, one thing I can say that's going to kind of... I love when that played in that little Easter egg in Forsaken, I think, right at the beginning. I was like, oh my God, what were we going to say, Brian? I'm so sorry, man. Um, No, that's fine. I think think one thing I can say that's going to cover like a broad, uh, a broad amount of questions that come up through this is that, you know, what makes Alex's writing so great is he takes the things that you, he explains why he loves the things Mm -hmm. in a way that if you didn't like the thing, you can see why he loved it. Because I think Alex is on the same page, but when I played Halo 4, I just, I liked all of it. I thought the soundtrack was great, the graphics, the design, Alex the campaign, the story. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the multiplayer, and I'm not saying, there, I'm not claiming there's zero issues, I'm just saying I liked all of it. Yeah. It was one of those things where I didn't, you know, if I got online and everyone said it was great, I would have just been like, of course it is. And we would have all had a dandy time. So then it was just like, you know, as I've mentioned many times before, you know, you, you start to see all this uh, vitriol come out for Halo 4. And I was just really struggling to understand it. And then you find Alex's articles and rather because there's so many articles you get. you get It's easy for anyone to write about why they hate or love a thing. You know, here's why I hate this. Here's why I love this. It doesn't really do anything. But Alex's articles were more like. Let me tell you in detail why this is good, why it works for me, how, let me help you understand how somebody else could see this as great, even though you don't have to, you know what I mean? So, um, that's the one thing, that's, that's a, that's a trait that I don't have that Alex does. That's what makes him so special. <laughs> Thank you very is, much for those lovely words. <laughs> yeah, because it's just, you know, because it's every time we're hearing Josh take us through this and he's asking these questions, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You can hear me and Alex start to go. You know, well, I loved the armor, but people had a problem. Well, I loved the soundtrack, but people had a problem. You know, so it's just, it was just all good to me. The, the answer to every question on a purely subjective personal preference level is, sure. it's all, it was all so it. good. It was all so good. You know, the Halo yeah. 4 soundtrack is awesome. And it's not yeah. like we don't have issues with these things. I, you know, I certainly noticed when I was playing on, you know, Forge and that, it's like, oh, there are some things that don't quite work with the magnets and everything. Yeah, it's all, wor- it's worthy of criticism. But it so easily escalates into, oh, I hate this. Oh, this is the worst thing ever. All 343 shot my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would agree, right? That uh, I mean, it's like sometimes people just take fair criticisms of a game or a movie or something. And because they don't like it, they try to spin those fair criticisms into sort of like. It gets repeated over and over and over. And it just becomes like the community meme, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they blow it up. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, Kiki Woolkill regarding Cortana in Halo 4. We're going to talk about Cortana a lot, a lot. through this. So, but she said in shorts, I think there's certainly a unique relationship with Chief and Cortana that we actually haven't seen in other Halo games. So certainly sort of continuing that and maybe understanding that a little bit more was very important to us. Again, I know this is not something you guys might have necessarily seen in the moment, but um, we're going to get into more detail and we'll probably circle back around to it. But Man, was that exciting when you guys started to get the sort of hint that, like, they're going to do something more with Cortana that's really been done before? Mm, Yeah. You know, um, the thing about Cortana is she's absent for 90% of Halo 3. 
and uh, yeah. you've kind of got the perspective of well she's sort of the main character in in the trilogy that's certainly a perspective that marty has has shared in the times that he's talked about it and you know everyone kind of gets their resolution in halo 3 except for her you know um, good point she gets dumped in the back of a ship a mission after you've rescued her left to rot <laughs> into into rampancy and you know i don't that alone kind of justified a Halo 4 to me as like, well, her story's not over. Like, mm. how is that a uh, sort of I never considered that. Yeah. So um, hearing that this was going to be such a major kind of area of focus, um, you know, really nailing down sort of her kind of character arc, that was one of the sort of big wins for like, okay, I'm on board. 343, you've got me. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Yeah, I, I was really excited about Cortana taking more front and center. And here's a question I want to ask, and I actually want to ask this question because I've never had a platform to talk about this openly. I have no agenda going into this. I don't. I don't actually know if I have a, a firm opinion. But one of the question, one of the things that's contested about Cortana in this game is her appearance. And for me personally, she's Halo Force Cortana is one of my favorite mm. um, Cortanas. The way you know, and this is this is where this is this is where I want to get into is. She. This is one of my favorite versions of her character. I love how she looks, mm -hmm. but it's it's impossible to not acknowledge that she's sexualized in, in some sense. I mean, I feel like that's okay. Are we on the same page, or maybe you disagree? So, yeah, what do you think? It's, it's interesting because um, sexualized, as I as I would look at it, is more how they kind of frame her, like in the story. the The first thing to consider here is that for the first time. She's actually based on a real human woman. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. that, that's how they, they've modeled her. And that is, that is actually like from the actress that's playing her. Um, the, what was it? We've got Jen Taylor. We've got Mackenzie Mason, who does the performance mm -hmm. capture. Yes. I can't remember if it's a third person that they actually modeled her on. But, you know, it's actually a real person there. Whereas before it wasn't. It was, you know, just a bunch of dudes who made a, a character model. Um, so that is something that I kind of put into consideration as well as the fact that you've actually got a lot more women kind of working on this for the first sort of time. Yeah, so that kind of throws, it, it's hard to talk about because obviously there is still of that kind of language in there to, to consider. And, you know, I certainly can't be an authority on how people feel about that. But, uh, in terms of her appearance, you know, that that's kind of what I put it down to is that, You've got far more kind of people, far, far more women involved in actually creating this character than there ever have been before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that they pay respect to that in the story as well, because they, they take her seriously and they, they frame her around her face entirely because they've got this great motion capture technology, obviously. So they want to yeah. emphasize all the subtle kind of emotions in that. And that's what they're telling you to look at is like, look at, look at, you know, it's not like a romantic, uh, Miranda moment, mass effect too. <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> I love Miranda. <laughs> yes. But yeah. It's like right there and they clearly well, frame it as such. Absolutely. Yes. I think those low cut camera angles. <laughs> I, I've God. been replaying Mass Effect 3, of course, recently, and they do that again in the scene where you see it for the first time. <laughs> I can't wait for the legendary edition. <laughs> what were you going to say, Brian? Um, well, no, I think, you know, for people listening, people might be like, oh, Brian, you know, somebody might be like, Brian, why'd you bring that up? You know, like, why are you trying to make like a an issue where it's not there? I'm like, no, but this is, this is where I come from because this, this is where I come from because I'm with Alex that I loved. 
I love Cortana's appearance in um, Halo 4. I don't think they tried to sexualize her per se, but what you see so often with the discourse is people come into my uh, come into my mentions or come in on Twitter and they go, you know, oh, Halo 4 Cortana was the best. She was sexy. Or, or Halo 4 Cortana <laughs> was the best. Uh, you know, she was hot. Or, or they'll just post pictures of Cortana, Halo 4 Cortana's feet like on my profile. kind of guys who would spell boobies as bobbies. Yeah, so it's like you don't see that for any other interpretation of the character. And yeah. I can see how, you know, that kind of treatment of her from fans could have led them to making changes for 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you're always going to have that. Um, but, yeah, long story short, I love uh, her appearance in 4. I, I think it was... A justified appearance, but um, I think there it makes sense that maybe they want to change it because of how certain fans liked to interpret her. <laughs> As technology gets better and character models are more realistically realized, yeah, I don't think it's something they're really going to be able to sustain in terms of her nakedness and her appearance there. So Good we've thing. seen, obviously, with Halo 2 Anniversary, where they've done it like completely one tactfully, where you know how she looks with the sort of like it's almost like a skin suit kind of thing that she's I, I love halo 2's really great look yeah, yeah. and you know yeah. going into infinite um i'm sure that we'll see kind of variations to her appearance on that um you know that speak to a more modern kind of um sensibility i always just figured when i saw her in halo 4 that this that it was like okay this is what she would have looked like this is what she's always looked like in universe but this is what she would have looked like had halo 1 came out in 2011 for mm-hmm. example you know like yeah, but I, know, I could be biased, the, her, but I mean, yeah. Her facial expressions and the body language she has in the game conveys so much emotion. That's what I loved and about it. Gives you yeah. so much attachment to her more than you already had. Well, and she helps bring that out of Chief. I think that's what's important. You have that yeah. sort of like uh, contrast, you know, that you can it's actually like, see what you can yeah. see her emoting, but you it's can't beautiful. see Chief. So it's beautiful because, like, you, you think of that scene where it's like she turns to Chief and she's like, "Come on, Chief, want to take a girl, take a girl for a ride." And you, it pans back to Chief, and you almost see in Chief's body language, he's like, I'm not saying it necessarily romantic or anything, but he's just like, you can see in his body language, he loves her. It doesn't have to be, I don't, I, no, I know. Make it, whatever it can be platonic. Want. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Love or, or, or like a family member, whatever, but he just loves her, and you can see in his body language, he's like, man, I don't want to lose you, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's an openness to how you want to interpret it, which was inspired by, like, games like Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, that sort of thing, mm. which Josh Holmes has talked about quite a lot, where it's just like, you know, leave that in the hands of the player to sort of, you know, read into it what they will and don't do anything definitive about it. And indeed, like, they even cut some dialogue, which makes it a bit more romantic because, you know, that's obviously something that, that you're going to play with naturally when, when you're developing this sort of thing. But as they sort of cut things down, it's like, now nah, we'll get rid of that so we can just leave it a bit more open. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I have from uh, this one specifically, this panel, uh, Frank O'Connor said, we already kind of touched upon it a little, but he said, regarding the story direction, the luxury of having three years to think about the story and plan it, and secondly, commit to a trilogy right from the start is a luxury Bungie didn't even have with Halo 1. Mm. You know they didn't know that was going to be a success and they didn't know if the xbox was going to be around and i think you go about planning your story arcs differently if you think you've got one shot we know we have a loyal fan base and we know we have a community that's going to enjoy halo games so we're able to build a big epic story with lots of wonder and lots of explanation again i know we kind of touched upon this but that is pretty damn cool isn't it just knowing that these guys were able to kind of like even though it changed obviously but like just the fact that they were able to kind of like 
yeah. really saying all this the right things uh, yeah. at the time because they clearly did have these things planned out. You know, uh, I've written about this a lot, but there's a lot of quite interne- interconnected things between all the the books and everything. You know, in Halo Legends, when uh, at the end where Cortana kind of steps off the plinth and she uh, wipes the condensation from uh, from the cryopod, or she imagines that she's doing it, and that ties into you know that sets up the final scene of Halo Four where she finally gets to touch the chief. Uh, you know, on on his chest plate, like she, and she says, "I've always wanted to do that." He, she's had that sort of long want, and they also established that in Evolutions as well, the short story anthology. And just you know, if you look back at uh, a lot of of uh, Halo Legends, it's setting up at least conceptually stuff for for Halo Four. You remember Prototype, the one which has got like the big kind of like Spartan mech thing. Um, that story is essentially Halo Four condensed into. 15 minutes uh with the the soldier like be human uh, yeah being the sort of like the password um to his sort of self-destruct thing there and i just think it's brilliant like they clearly had a sense of let's experiment with some of these story ideas in other media and then we'll kind of pull it all together and really sort of understand the direction we're trying to go in the final game see it gives me it gives me it gives me chills just hearing you talk about like legends and 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 you know pre pre halo 4 hype and you know, if you my brain gets bigger every time I listen to Alex talk. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Continue the brain. I, I, I love hear you, it. man. Um, but I just, you know, it just, oh, it's just, it's just hard to like. You you want to root for three four three so much because they have. If you take all the media that three four three has put out, I know it's not the same, but if you take all the media they've put out, they they've put out more individual media that I think is straight awesome, like straight yeah. fire, than Bungie has. Yeah. If you take all of it into account. Now, as far as games go, you know, they, they haven't put out as many games that are on Bungie's level total, in my opinion. I think most people would agree with that. Um, but just what they've done for the universe through just multimedia, you know, Legends, hmm. uh, you know, Ford and the Dawn, Nightfall, uh, the books, the Greg Bear trilogy. I mean, just it just goes on and on how great uh, they've done at fleshing out this universe and um even when i when i watch legends now like I, I watched a bit of it recently and it's just like man this is amazing just the love and the care for this and it just uh it, it gives me the feels um so it's just too bad that um missteps with halo 5 kind of it felt like they killed the all the credibility for the mainstream crowd yeah you know well yeah i mean i you know what's funny i bought that on i forgot to tell you Brian. i bought that on blu-ray recently the halo collection or whatever oh nice, oh, nice. yeah I, mean, I have that too and i've been meaning to rewatch that before i remember it's got some new that. commentary in it from uh from frank and a bunch of the people who uh who worked on that from three for Does three it? yeah really well oh that's fantastic to. man i you know what's funny the older i get the less i check out special features but it's only mm. for the very select things i love and something like halo it's funny that only only our age group ish is going to remember like when like special features were a huge selling <laughs> yeah. point dude you know oh my god man i remember yeah Yeah. oh my god especially those i still rewatch that like the the easter egg of um, so good yes of elijah wood getting prank called by don monahan (laughs) (laughs) the hobbit one's really good too i don't know if you've watched those i can't remember if it's on the dvd but it's the one where uh yeah i think it is it that prank call one where he's like do you wear wigs and he's like no, he's like, have, have you worn, worn wigs? wigs? Yeah, he's when like, will you wear wigs? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just completely loses it. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, so September 11th, um, uh, an there's an IGN article. Date? What's that? Oh, an auspicious yeah. date, then? Yeah, I know. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, listening to this, 
by any chance, uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about any of these dates. I I did as much research as I could, and you know, obviously there wasn't you know Halo Waypoint isn't a thing anymore, and that's where a lot of news things came from. So I just pulled where I could. Yeah, but, if you guys listen, you got to give Josh some credit here because he's he's pulling together all this info and dates chronologically when he wasn't even around for it <laughs> really when it happened. That's, that's pretty impressive. Oh, thank you. I feel like me and Alex would pull from you know memory a lot. On, on gathering this, but he's not. I appreciate that a lot, man. Thank you, Brian. Um, yeah, there's an IGN article. Uh, creative director walks off Halo 4. Ryan Payton leaves 343 Industries, saying the game doesn't speak to my values. Uh, he was quoted as saying, I had a great run at Microsoft. I don't regret one day of it. But after a few years, there came a point where I, where I wasn't creatively excited about the project anymore. The Halo I wanted to build was fundamentally different, and I don't think I had built enough credibility to see such a crazy endeavor through. I think time is the most valuable thing we have, and I've decided that I'm not going to waste one more day working on something that doesn't speak to my values. Uh, I can't tell if that maybe I'm just reading into that as passive aggressive, but we talked about this a bit earlier on. But yeah, guys, this is September 7th, um, just a few months after the announcement of the game. Uh, is the internet shitting the bed like the meme of that dog that's you know, got the house on fire and he's like, this is yeah. fine. Like, what was the internet like at that point? Go back and look at the comment sections on like Kotaku and that and you'll you'll see exactly what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Were people like really scared? At yeah, this yeah, they're, they're all still killing? up there. So, yeah. Oh, well, it's a real prime example of what we talked about previously of like, don't read too much into these things when you really don't know what's going on because a couple different directions you can take this. One, if you love Halo 4, you can see that this was a good thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you hate Halo 4, maybe you can see this is a bad thing. But then once you hear that he had such radical ideas for the series, you might realize, okay, well, maybe that wouldn't have been good either. So it's the same thing goes with, like, we talked, you know, Chris Lee leaving Infinite. You know, it, it doesn't Chris. mean that Infinite is garbage now or it's over with, you know. And just to, to recap on that point from the first episode for anyone who's just listening to this yeah. and, and hasn't uh, caught up on the others... Um, Ryan Payton wanted to create a very different kind of Halo game where, uh, you know, you'd you'd have shooting taken away from you at points and a lot of the more kind of traditional aspects uh, of Halo gameplay weren't going to be kind of in there. So if you think Halo 4 is kind of divergent away from the traditional core of the series, 343 actually pushed back against some of those design decisions and said, no, we're going to keep this more traditional. Um, and more in line with uh, you know the halo that we know before we can do anything sort of that uh, that kind of moves away from that so it's uh, something that a lot of people sort of jumped on and saying that oh clearly the project's doomed because 343 wants, wants to take things in their own direction and have no regard for the legacy of of what came before when it's the opposite that's true actually it was uh, yeah, i was gonna say it, it at least goes to show i mean if people want to if people can just try to like not look at look at it negatively and just maybe try to see the positive in it i think you'd realize like they really care about doing this right absolutely you know at the time back in why wouldn't they (laughs) right right yeah (laughs) nobody is going into this spitefully saying like oh we're we're just gonna throw everything away i'm gonna do it our way well it's just funny because like you get okay like if i can go back to 2011 in the time machine and just put myself in that position you know and see all these comments and vitriol and stuff it's like do you guys are you guys forgetting that halo 2 had like the shittiest development cycle and people argued and fought relationships were lost and there was no clear direction like in in one person leaving halo uh, halo 4 it's like and all hell broke loose now come on guys we're better it's just a really bad perspective to have because you see it all the time it's the whole 
this game is doomed. It's going to be garbage. I know it. And then if the game is bad, they say, I told you. I was there from the beginning telling you. And if it's good, they go, whoa, I'm surprised. I really thought it'd be bad. I was going to say, I thought them. you are actually going to say where they cross their arms and be like, you know what? It's it's okay, but it's not as good as it could have been. No, I, I see people that, you know, they think they're <laughs> just like, you know, they're just random people on the internet who think they're like the most God-tier critics ever. That when the game comes out or the movie or whatever and it's actually good, they'll sit back and they'll go... Well, you know, I really didn't think it was going to be very good, and I saw a lot of problems, but somehow they managed to pull it off. It's like, who are you? You know? Come on. <laughs> uh, November 12th, uh, 2011, NeoGAF Forums. Stinkles, a.k.a. Frank O'Connor, guys. His username was Stinkles, for you guys that uh, remember I mean, he still that. uses Stinkles. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but all the way back then, it's just crazy. Uh, he said, it's pretty short, he said Halo 4 will be on Xbox 360 and use a modified core of the Halo engine. Not really a singular engine, since it goes through a fairly regular... Since it goes through fairly radical evolutions all the time. Guys, at this point in time in 2011, was there any... Was there a lot of uh, speculation as to whether or not this was going to be a 360 or what would become Xbox One? Yeah, um... I don't remember specifics around it, but there was a lot of like, you know, should this be like a, an Xbox One launch title or should this be 360? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to think like, you know, if only Halo 4 had had the extra year that Infinite has gotten now to actually release as a, as a Xbox One sort of launch title, how, how differently would, uh, would it have been received, which is an interesting what if question. Um, and we come to find out later that Bonnie Ross wanted it, it to be Xbox yeah. One. Yeah. She she was that was what she was going for, mm. but she didn't did, have she didn't have her way with that. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but do you think going back, would you guys have like preferred that in terms of just the overall experience, or are you just are you fine? Do you think it doesn't matter? Yeah, I mean, there's a certain novelty to Halo Four as it is being you know <laughs> looking as good as it does on the three sixty, which I think yeah. is endured today. Because you look at it now and it's like on PC and you just think, wow, this could release tomorrow. And I wouldn't even know uh, Mm -hmm. that it was from eight years ago. But um, yeah, I think that's always a question in my mind is like, what more could they have done with that extra year that would have improved kind of the, the base kind of reception to this game? Yeah. Um, I could be be wrong, but I feel like, I feel like it was beneficial that it came out on 360 because, you know, going into the Xbox one, um, if I hadn't, if I had seen, you know, the new studio unproven, I might think, you know, do I need to go, especially with, you know, with all the DRM and, and the bad stuff that was mm-hmm. going on with Xbox One, I was already considering getting a PS4 instead. If I if I hadn't, if I was still waiting for this new studio to prove themselves and like I had got that definitive end with Halo 3, I might have been less interested in Xbox's offerings. Mm-hmm. But since, you know, 343 was created and Halo 4 came out and it was this awesome game i was like i gotta play what's next though for many who didn't like halo 4 maybe it was a it was a, a good reason to not buy an xbox one i don't know <laughs> i would just well, like Brian... to momentarily take us back because uh is it november that we're in right now yes uh yeah. so just a little earlier in august i think this was around the time we had this was at halo fest when we had that mm-hmm. um yeah. we got that concept art trailer for for halo 4 yes which uh, I just wanted to bring up because that is still oh, yeah. favorite Halo trailers ever. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, they had the actual Halo 4 panel, and uh, obviously they didn't have any gameplay or anything to show us at this point right. because uh, the game's still very much in its prototyping. and Well, not prototype, but it's, it's still in its kind of like 
not ready to show off yet kind of stage yeah. yeah but they did give us an idea of kind of the yeah after talking up kind of all these aspects is like a little sense of kind of the atmosphere and the vibe they're going for so they showed us that uh that concept art trailer which had uh this armor the track from from the soundtrack uh by neil mm-hmm. davidge you know that sort of fading in with the very kind of sci-fi like bleeps and bloops and everything and then it ends with uh with green and blue just a few faint notes that uh that Mm -hmm. play from that and we get our first glimpse at uh what will go on to become a promethean knight and uh we see sort of like the wreckage of the dawn going into into requiem these vast epic landscapes yeah the great thing about this is that when you play the game pretty much everything you see is actually realized in in the game itself these are all environments that you can actually translate from the concept art into the game itself and that's something that like is a really rare novelty because you don't often see that in games is that there's always like massive kind of differences between them i always think but um they really got that vision like nailed down completely I completely agree. When I was talking about that part uh, with Frank talking about, you know, seeing Forerunner stuff, you know, you're used to it as static and a nerd. And now it's there. Uh, he was showing they were having some of that up there um, prior to the trailer. And I remember seeing that and just thinking like, I, I mean, for people like you, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, I wonder what the hell this was like for mm. Alex's theater of their mind. Just thinking like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, we're going to finally like delve into some of this stuff. And you're right, too. Uh there's a lot of times that concept art is vastly different. Mm-hmm. I buy a lot of concept art books and I mean, that's kind of why I love it. It's just to see all the different changes they go through. But like, it's rare that I think anything in any form of media actually really sticks so closely to it. And Halo 4 did. Yeah. yeah. There are about yeah, 20, they- 30 pieces uh, of Halo 4 concept art, which are like straight translation to, to the game itself. Yeah. I feel like they did literally everything right all the way to Halo 4. I mean, they just they just knocked it out of the park with everything they did up to that game's release and the game's release. So I think I think that's what that that's why Haruspus was born, you know, because <laughs> it was all so good. Indeed. It was all so well done and well, the reception was bad somehow. So you had to have this guy come out the woodwork <laughs> and start making articles. Manifest it destiny. No damn sense. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um and Brian, you, you kind of beat me to the punch on this, which is fantastic because uh, I did want to bring this up. Um, Brian mentioned a little bit ago, guys, uh, talking about uh, Bonnie, uh, talking about how she originally pinched it, pitched Halo 4 as a launch title. So if we can make a little slip space jump into the future, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to an IGN Unfiltered episode from February 26, 2019, uh, <laughs> did you know? uh, on the origins of it, she said specifically, when the decision was made to ship Halo 4 at the end of the 360, originally I pitched it as a launch title for Xbox One. And largely, if you look at Halo, it takes three years to build. It's a minimum of three years to build. And when the decision was made to have it be an end of life cycle for 360, it put a huge gap in the launch portfolio. And I raised those flags, you know, hindsight's 2020. So when we got to launch, we had a huge hole. Halo 5 wasn't going to be there for the first three years, which is super hard for launching a new console. So MCC kind of came on as we did Halo Anniversary. Halo 2 Anniversary was going to be launching within the first two years of the new console. And so the original plan was just to do Halo 2 Anniversary, just the standalone. But because Halo 4 was further out than what everyone wanted, they asked for us to do more. So it was just kind of go back to the drawing board and think about more what Halo's presence should be on Xbox One. And we kind of came up with the idea of, hey, wouldn't it be great to do all the Master Chief stories on, on console? But wow, did, did uh, three, four, Microsoft pretty much say, hey, 
hey there, 343, we just made you guys, but uh, before you can even like really kind of figure out who you are, we got a bunch of homework for you guys to do. <laughs> well, a shit to figure out. Despite me just about? saying that Halo, they did everything right up to Halo 4, and I, and I do believe that, you can kind of see the beginning of the, of the problem here. Yes. Um, because, you know, it comes out at the end of the 360 generation, and literally, what, eight months later, we're seeing a trailer for Halo 5 to help them pitch the Xbox One. Mm. Um, and a lot of what we see in that trailer, you know, we didn't we didn't really see in the game. Um, I still hope that damn <laughs> poncho makes it return. Don't mention don't, the poncho. Yes. <laughs> I want it, man. Especially after playing Fallen Order. I'm like, I love poncho. Oh, Bring it in, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, it might be an infinite. Who knows? But, but I, I just, you know... You're talking about how this could use another year of time, and you know there's this big gap on the Xbox One with no Halo, and I think it just once again speaks volumes to um, how great of a decision it was to push Infinite back a year. I know for everyone listening, we want to play that game so bad, but uh, you know this is their. Uh, it's been five years, over five years now since Halo Five. They want to land this right, and I know the Xbox Series X came out without a Halo, which was not their plan. Was always to launch those together. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw the advertisements, the Taco Bell commercials. It was all there. Oh man, I get so um, excited for that shit but, every time. But man, this is this is this is. I'm not saying it's literally the same, but this is Bonnie getting what she wants this time with it having another year. This is it's the right when Infinite call, comes ultimately. out. Yeah, it's the right call. And and when Infinite comes out this year, we, we can't say for certain it's going to be a good game. But I mean, I very much feel confident in what we're going to receive this year. I'm definitely, yeah, I can see that. Uh, December second, uh, there was a CVG article. Um, this is where we started to talk. Uh, they started to get into some um, openness about Cortana and where she might be at in this game. Frank said, uh, regarding Cortana going through changes, seven years is the lifespan for a smart AI before it enters a state called rampancy. Cortana was getting close to the end of her natural lifespan at the end of Halo 3, but she has been exposed to far more information than any other AI in existence. She's going to develop some muscle from that proce- uh, process, but it also contributes to her rampancy. That much information makes things worse and again i know we're going to talk about this stuff a lot but like did you guys when did you guys kind of start to get the like any sense of anxiety of like are they gonna kill cortana like when did that start to manifest for you guys at which point like was were you guys just always thinking like now nah, they're not gonna do that did you guys think that? where are you guys at yeah i certainly didn't um when it actually happened in the game and you know she she fades away for that last time it was like Oh, they did that. They actually oh, did fuck. that. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. when you've got your brand new team coming out for the first time, are you going to make a huge kind of shift in the universe that way where you kill off one of the main, yeah. if not the main character? And they did. Yeah. They, they did, and it was a ballsy <laughs> move. And uh, I absolutely respected that. I thought that is like the best kind of way you can start off, you know, I getting people agree. invested in this new trilogy. Even me, who didn't like initially like the game, I was so pulled in with that moment. It had nothing to do with her death. What were you gonna say, Brian? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know if anybody else was in the same boat as me, but like rampancy had been talked about off and on throughout Halo's history, and and in my mind, I kind of just assumed that it was one of those things they would never actually touch on in a game. Mm. That they would just kind of like let it fall to the wayside. So when this yeah. became kind of more front and center, I was really impressed. Um, yeah, when I when I beat Halo Four and I saw that it it tugged at my heartstrings when she died, and I I loved it, and it was one of those deals where it was like you know immediately as consumers we go right into okay what's going to happen in Halo Five, and I remember thinking to myself like this is the perfect end for her, we shouldn't bring her back, but there's this part of me that just wants more of her. 
I was but we shouldn't way, bring her back, way, yeah. you know, and then, you know, yeah. it's just, uh, I think <laughs> decisions were made, knowing, <laughs> knowing, knowing what we got with five, it would have been better to leave her dead yes. for sure. I think most everyone's on the same page that I, there probably is a way that they could have brought her back in five that would have worked pretty well, but it wasn't the way that they took. Yeah. I mean, again, we have that scene where her copies bind the didact at the end and one of them circles around his head until he's fully bound and then jumps into his helmet. And if you wanted to carry on with that story where you have, you know, the chief and didact as his nemesis and you pair Cortana with the didact, this some kind of fragment of her, then, you know, you, you imagine the sort of like ways you can branch out from that and keeping some echo of her in the story. But, you know, it's not the direction they went. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where like when you when you're thinking of a concept, you're imagining it's its best version in your head before you put it to paper or, or put it to development. And, you know, maybe maybe Cortana leading an AI uprising done just the right way would have seemed really cool. I, I can't imagine what people were, th- you know, what it was like behind the scenes when they're thinking, we're going to make, for for uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, we're going to make Darth Vader Luke's dad, and we're going to tell the audience that that's his father and everything. Because, like, that Fans that, that Marvel comic from the 70s were like, <laughs> that could have That could have not worked. They could have done it in a way. They could have the done, way I think, oh, uh, and, I often think of is, uh, have you seen the film Her? with uh Joaquin yes, Phoenix. Yes, I have. At the end, you know, the AI the, the AIs they just leave. They just go. They're they're off elsewhere. And I imagine like what a shift that would be in the Halo universe if the AIs just left and went to the domain and they're just gone. Yeah. 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 I mean there's different many different ways it could have went. You know, I I I'm not a you know we've talked about this already even on the these specific Halo four episodes. I'm not a, a sequel hater, but I think when you when you hear Ray you're a Palpatine I think you don't that it was done in a way that it doesn't seem earned the, or the impact doesn't land does it really and it doesn't land. it, it kind of just like you know I'm sitting there in the theater I'm going you know that doesn't no she's not no, no she's not into no. the other story that we that we you know learned in last yeah. I where she she's come from she's come from nothing yeah and I have to yeah, say man and, I have to tell a side story real quick about that ahead, dude ahead, I had one of my my boss at the time who also liked Star Wars, uh, he it, he kept speculating that she would be a Palpatine. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know, and blah, blah, blah. And we'd go back and forth just talking about stuff. And then when I started to read the leaks that she is, and I wasn't going to tell him, I, I went up, I remember telling him across the myriad of things we talked about, and I said, one of the things you told me, I won't tell you what, but one of the things you told me you were right about and it gets to that moment when there's the reveal in the, in the cinema. And we went with the whole squad at work, the whole team. And we all went to see it. And he's like across from me. And he's like, told you I wanted to strangle him in that moment and just choke him. And it was just like, I'm the Anakin, guy. I Anakin so, force choke. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to so bad. But uh, no, he was right about that. Just, just yeah, crazy. Yeah. It it's just that. an example of, you <laughs> know, cool. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing a head cannon thing. I'm just, you know, as far as the cannon's concerned, she's a Palpatine. It's whatever. Um, but it's just an example of like, you know, you see how it worked really well in Empire with Luke's father being Darth Vader, um, and you see 
I, I just think there, there probably was a version of Halo 5. If they had to go with the route of Cortana surviving, it could have came off really well, hey, but it, instead it came off like a Ray, you're a Palpatine. It's like in Return of the Jedi when he's like, you know, what I told you is true from a certain point of view. It's like Lucas was like, oh shit, I probably better kind of do something. Well, the immediate comparison to make there uh, from what was going on at the time was when they made Captain America a Nazi in, uh, in that one comic by Nick Spencer, which everyone uh, at the time was hating. Oh, yeah. That. And, I do remember um, that vaguely. The, there was like... <laughs> uproar about that because obviously the origin of Captain America being created by Jewish uh, comics writers and everything uh, and obviously you can't draw that same kind of framework of comparison in terms of the you know that, that the sort of political side of that with Cortana because she's a, <laughs> a an AI right. completely outside of all that sort of thing but um, the sort of sense of betrayal you get of the kind of foundation of the character is very much felt there I think is certainly for me yeah no absolutely uh this yeah. one go ahead well Brian. i was just, i was just gonna say i think i think it kind of goes from you know like what we've talked about already in the past about how development is just really difficult and, and making sacrifices you know there there may have been a point even a year maybe before halo 5 came out where people were going the way that we've constructed this cortana being the villain doesn't really work but too many things are implemented to just yeah, change they can't it. just change you know, it's it kind of you can't just change it. No, it's just like when uh, they show George Lucas watching Phantom Menace, and he's like, I may have gone too far in a few places, <laughs> but if you remove oh, man, this or I you remove that. People. I hate. What's Every that, time there's a documentary, it's like people, uh, a they documentary the, of people were yeah. like, here's why Phantom Menace sucks. And I don't they always think bring up that sucks. damn moment. I'm like, come on, man. No, I, no, I don't think Phantom Menace sucks. I I, I'm not. I'm not implying yeah. that. I'm just. Saying. I just think it has issues that we've all been over already. But you know, it's just. I'm just using an example. You know that uh, George Lucas says, "I mean, went too far a few places." Well, if he changes this one thing, well, it's attached to this other story. You know, so it's tough. It's just got to be tough. It's the same deal. Yeah. But go ahead. Um, this one, it, there's not going to be much to say on this, guys. But I feel like it's kind of relevant because I feel like I just saw something on this. January 30th, uh, 2012. So this is a release year we're getting into. Mm. Uh, Bungie.net post uh, confirmed that it would be transitioning all Halo services from their website to 343 Industries by the end of the next month. By March 31st, Bungie will no longer update stats, service records, host user-generated content, or operate Bungie Pro through Bungie.net. All existing historical Halo data will stay on Bungie.net, quoted, for as long as the internet and Bungie's data storage systems remain functional. Uh-huh. Did they just come out and say that that's kind of not happening? <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong on that? Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's going away. Oh, man, it just goes to show you, like, things change. <laughs> yeah, for, for those of you who don't know, like, all the stuff, all the stats and things that are being that are kept on Bungie's site still now, they're about to be erased permanently. So. In yeah, February. Um, was I, I mean I, again? I know there's not too much to really pull from from this, but considering how big Halo Three was in terms of its sort of like screenshots, and everyone was taking screenshots of people's arms glitching and like teabagging and and some intimate, uh, very erotic <laughs> photos, uh, all kinds of different things and forged stuff, obviously in your files. Considering how big that was, um, was there any anxiety about that, or was it just like okay, this is kind of like status quo here? Yeah, I mean, obviously when there's a transition like this, it's. Uh it's difficult because the thing about Bungie is like they do such damn good UI design and um, yeah. on their website um, everything was sort of perfect in terms of how you'd search and find things and download things in, from the website into the game uh, and Halo Waypoint was still in kind of beta mode at the time it was still an up and coming forum and I, to this day I still don't like its UI at all um, I hate Halo Waypoint <laughs> so it was kind of a massive shame at the time because uh, 
that there, there was kind of that to consider and uh to this day it still feels a bit kind of janky in terms of how yeah. how you utilize it i could see halo that. waypoint is the worst place to have discussions with halo fans <laughs> i'm just saying it man i go there and it's just like master chief's master chief's breastplate was too small <laughs> like there's just 13 pages on it great i don't know oh man um yeah, March 5th, uh, we might end on this one because I'm sure we'll have a lot to pick from this. March 5th, Halo Waypoint slash YouTube dropped the first vid doc uh, called Making of Halo 4, First Look. Mm. So I'm going to pull a few quotes from this and then you guys can just run with it, talk about the quotes, talk about just a vid doc in general. Uh, Frank O'Connor said in this, Most of the exploration that we've done of the Master Chief has been through other media outside of the game, through comic books, through novels. We wanted to put it squarely in the video game this time. Josh Holmes said, one of the things we wanted to do is really introduce a threat that is beyond anything that Master Chief has faced before. Frank said, we've always had this sort of schism between multiplayer and campaign, and the campaign was completely ripped and featured, and the multiplayer just wasn't. We have a fairly uh, fairly compelling and fairly convincing reason why Red Spartans can fight Blue Spartans. Two more, Brad, Brad Welch said, the Spartans in multiplayer are Spartan 4s. These are the newest breed of Spartans. There's other parts to our multiplayer experience. They will be coming in the future. Sotaro said, we've, re- we've redone almost everything. We've already recorded 100 tracks of music. Guys, damn, I'm telling you what. This shit was some sizzle. In, man, it's just insane. Like, There is so much to pull from this mm-hmm. and just talk about in of itself. But like, wow. I, when I watched this, I was, I was like, I'm excited. When is this game coming out? <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's crazy. What were you guys' thoughts on this vid doc? This was the big blowout of all the information that we'd been really sort of looking forward to seeing. We actually, you know, seeing gameplay and everything. Uh, yeah. Seeing those shots of the chief amongst these epic kind of landscapes uh, yes. in the warthog, and the, we got the first look at the sort of base Spartan look, Spartan four look with the uh, sort of warrior helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a bit of multiplayer gameplay, some animations, and that. So it was just like it was the hype of finally seeing everything sort of come together. Uh, they showed uh, Haven, the multiplayer map, which was then known as Wraparound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like that. Wasn't name. that first shown on? Wasn't that first shown on Conan O'Brien? I can't remember now. Uh, that was later on like, in the year when they uh, really? when they showed that. Yeah. Okay, I thought the first I thought the first gameplay we ever saw was like two seconds of Haven on Conan O'Brien. I must I must be I'm wrong. The, I think that's something about Conan, but I can't remember. If it's Conan that. O'Brien one I think was late a bit later on in 2012 because okay. they they announced some things around uh, the chief like going to war and stuff uh, when they talk about the cameo. Um, so that I think that was a bit later on in the year, but uh, okay. this yeah this first look it was uh, it was kind of the moment we'd been waiting for really because you know Bungie had a great tradition of releasing Vidox, which is kind of the sort of transparency that uh, was it didn't feel common at the time, and I was very much hoping that oh you know I hope three four three will carry on doing this sort of thing, which they did, which I'm really happy with, and they still do to this day. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts on yeah. that, Doc Brian? Um, well, I just you you know you mentioned that like Chief will finally have someone to go up against, and I I a new threat. It's, it's, what's that? A new threat. A new th- yeah, yeah. I I just I'm still just kind of in shock. Like I know it doesn't need to be said because it's been said so much, but I'm just in shock at how how much development they put into the character of Didact and how much they just haven't used him since <laughs> yes. four. I mean it. It's just really sad. I mean, I'm just, I'm not trying to be like a butt. I'm just like, it's really sad. <laughs> you haven't properly that's seen him point. since 2014. Can you believe that? You're talking about yeah, the comic? Yeah, Escalation. And I, yeah, and I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't a fan of how he was handling the comic yeah, no, either. The and I just, 
I just don't, I guess I just don't understand, like, was the backlash for Didac specifically, was it that bad? I, I just, he was... It's certainly like no worse than some about. of the other stuff that uh, the people yeah. are complaining about. I was going to say, yeah. me at the time, and, and who didn't like it, had no real issues with the Didact. It was more just with other stuff about the game. He just, like, he, he seems so cool. much. He's got everything that is there to be a great villain. Mm. Plus his uh, face, just like, man, there was a lot of, like, emotion being conveyed on the face. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Dude, in those books, you know, long. you read. kind of cranky. You read Greg Bear's books, and then you, you play Halo 4, and you're just like, this guy is going to be a major player in the Reclaimer trilogy. And I just, I do you think, I, my answer is already no, but do you think there's any chance we're going to see him in Infinite? No, I don't think so. No. How would you feel if that hypothetically happened somehow? Uh, I would like it to happen. I, I, what I would like ultimately really is, um, you know, when we have this, whatever story Infinite's going to tell as its kind of base story, uh, to kind of resolve what's been going on. Uh, and then we look to the next 10 years of the series and sort of the new ways 343 is going to be telling stories with probably story expansions. Mm-hmm. That's when I'd like to circle back to him at some point around then. Maybe we have this like long sort of mystery going on, similar to Savathun in, in Destiny, you know, this building up to this epic kind of character reveal. And we bring back the didact for, for, for a story arc there. That's what I'd be on board with. But I don't know whether they're going to do that or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just feel like I feel like maybe the maybe just the didact, the image of didact himself is just for the very general Halo audience. It's just too much off to the side. It's just too much. It just looks too different. I think for uh, a lot of the mainstream Halo fans, and maybe that's why we won't see it. Of course, like the, aesthetically. the issue that we've kind of yeah. got is that they've lost the kind of novelty of him because the idea is he's a real living forerunner. And you know, going up against that is a is a massive thing in itself. But they've digitized him now. They've just made him another robot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's bafflingly handled this character. I, I honestly like to be a fly on the wall when they when these conversations were going on. But yeah, it's it's a tough spot that they've put him in. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's after all that investment. <laughs> it's just, it's just hard. Yeah, it's hard not it's hard not to kind of just you know sulk on that because you know and something else I, th- I thought you were about to say uh, Alex but you, you didn't is that um, you know they've kind of they're in a really tough spot in another way that you had all these fans that came in on Halo Four in that era who really loved what they were doing mm-hmm. there and um, you know that whole era of four was kind of jettisoned going into five mm-hmm. and it's never really returned. Yeah. And th- thankfully, it, we at least we're at least getting something spiritually similar to, you know, uh, Bungie's era's ha- Halos with Infinite, which is, that's a good thing. But you know that Halo Four era, it's kind of only exists in that era. It's, it's, it's very really self-contained, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, so it's it's really a shame for the fans of of that era, um, especially the ones that that's their favorite part, because you, and you see so many times whatever you want to call they call themselves purist or whatever on on twitter or forums or whatever they say i don't you know i don't care about the halo Never force fan that, mode, that, that, that wasn't my <laughs> that wasn't my halo and you know you're not a yeah. true fan if you like that stuff and, and it's gonna be hard to, it feels you feel so ostracized um if that is your your era and mm. I'm, I'm actually feeling that for the first time myself because i m- my favorite uh star wars era is the sequel trilogy mm. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best or anything like that. It's just my favorite. 
And right. to be a Star Wars fan right now who loves that era, it's it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It feels Bad time. You got time travel. Everyone's telling me that it needs to it should be retconned, and you're not a true fan, and it's just like this you know. Why I just don't I, go there. I, I back away from Star yeah. Wars fan base because it is such a, a toxic kind of place. Yeah. Very it's horrific. Is. And, you know, I'm, I'm old enough and mature enough to not let that stuff bother me, but it does suck that I can't engage in this community that I like. I like the fandom or Star Wars, you know, but I can't really engage it because nobody, nobody wants to hear from the guy who likes the sequels the most, you know. So. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. It's always that harmony within disharmony, right? Like you yeah. can disagree, but it, it can actually learn a lot when you are talking to someone who you completely disagree with if you just have an open mind. I mean, yeah. But I guess some yep. people don't want to do that. But uh, to bring it back a bit as we close this one out, they said Spartans in the multiplayer, Spartan 4 is in newest breed, and there's other parts in the multiplayer experience. Uh, it's pretty much confirmation right there. We got more Spartans. And there's if Spartan only, 4s. If only they had a trilogy of books set after Halo 3 where they could really introduce some of these things to the universe. It'd be really interesting if they did that. <laughs> Man, uh... What were you guys, as they kind of talked about, like Frank said, um, we have a fairly compelling and convincing reason why red Spartans can fight blue Spartans. We'll get into that more specifically, but like, where were you guys at with that? You know, were you like, what the hell does this mean? I mean, for me, it's like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) It's exciting. This is kind of one area where I was a bit sort of like, take it or leave it, because Mm -hmm. I never really needed the multiplayer to have a sort of distinct narrative framing. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people like that, but I've, I'm the same. I I don't mind it. I, again, it's like you know, cool Infinity multiplayer. They really want to build the sort of reach idea of like creating your own Spartan, living that sort of fantasy, and that tying into Spartan ops. It makes sense. Sure. Yeah, sure. I just like, I, I would have been happy like regardless of whether you in know, a way. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, same here. What about you? Yeah, I wish I wish I wish it had been more in um Alex's mindset because when I heard this I thought that sounds really cool because for me, you know, I like Halo multiplayer, but I so vastly care about the story more that I'm just like any opportunity to make the multiplayer you know give me more as a story guy more connections. Mm-hmm. I thought Ryan, it sounded, I got some for you. And it's got Spartanops. Yeah, I thought it sounded amazing having that canonized, but but shortly after I I'm in the camp with you guys where I'm like I don't. I don't need uh, there to be story elements to, like to literal multiplayer. It. You know, I, I, yeah, I like that it's. I just don't need it. Like it's one of those things that you can tell that they were throwing. Like they could have just played it safe, obviously, and done whatever the story they wanted to do, and keep the multiplayer the same and stuff. But they were like throwing so much at the wall with the different music and Spartan Ops and how they initially at least planned Spartan Ops to go before they kind of hmm, multi season. Yeah, and uh, just all the other stuff. I mean, like I like that they at least took that chance because I feel like. Make even new mistakes. Is yes, exactly. Because I feel like that kind of like gave them a better idea of like where they want to go with Halo Five, not just in terms of the story, because then now they have a better sense of identity. You know, having kind of taken their own chances rather than I, just. I think as an adult, going I am just completely. I'm completely in the take chances crowd. Like I, the, all the part of me that wanted to have nostalgia and, and reminisce the past with new entries. That part of me died in high school. I really, I don't, not, I'm not saying that's a high school mentality. I'm just saying that it's not me anymore. I want people to take chances on things. And because some of the best experiences, Halo 4, um, for me and Alex, The Last Jedi, and Josh likes it too. You know, it just wasn't the same. No, you guys are definitely experience. the bigger fans of that for sure. You deserve credit but, for that. But um, whenever things, you know, then you, then you see things like... Um, 
even I my favorite Star Wars movie is The Force Awakens. It's it's mm. it's mostly just you know it's a new hope over and over again. You know, for the most part, there is some differences, um, but that's not as exciting. You know, like just when you give us something new. <laughs> it's funny you, know? you say that. I was literally just at work showing the guys that, that like thirty second HBO Max trailer with the sizzle reel of what's all coming this year. You have like. Godzilla versus Kong. You have a new Mortal Kombat. You have Space Jam Two, a new Legacy, Matrix Four, all these sequels and sequels and reboots and all this stuff. And it's like, I love that stuff because it's more of what I love. But at the same time, you run that sort of psych. You run that problem of sort of like creating this sort of box spear of nostalgia that you're pulling from. So you're looking at like, games as well, like the Indiana Jones stuff, yes. the Star Wars stuff, and everything. Like, yeah, you know, of- I saw that. And I thought it was exciting, but at the same time, yeah, it's like I would still rather they take original chances with new characters, new stories. Because, I mean, like, for me, as I've gotten older, I, I replay and rewatch stuff less because I want the new experiences. Mm-hmm. Because I think of all the things I'm nostalgic for, and I think of all the things I haven't experienced yet that I could potentially be nostalgic for. And I want to take that chance to sort of manifest that, to foster that new nostalgia Whereas I, if I constantly just focus on replaying things I've experienced, rewatching things I've loved, like I'm just kind of circling that. And I feel like nostalgia is a dangerous thing because it's fun to revisit, but only temporarily, mm. you know, rather than just At sort one of point, make it. Those things were new. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool. You, know? you know, I mean, it's 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 tough because nostalgia. I feel like all of our generation, three of our generations, like specifically, like really. You know, a lot of these people are now making films and, and games and stuff like that. And you're starting to see that kind of cycle circle, but uh, which is good in a way. But you know, it's also kind of risky in, in the sense of, yeah, you're not kind of you, we're losing a big sense of originality. But I don't mean another, that's a different topic. I just it's interesting. It's food for thought. Another one I was thinking of the other day is Blade Runner 2049. Oh, uh, I love that movie. <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Ooh, the ever. Cinematography. <laughs> Um, but I was thinking, I was just thinking about the other day because I was actually I was thinking about how you know like um, Halo Four and Last Jedi you know it subverted expectations on things didn't do things typical. And I was thinking about how Blade Runner twenty forty nine the movie purposely tries to make you think that K is Deckard's son, yeah, and it's this really cool like you know he's got this hope like he's not going to be a replicant and he's going to be you know Harrison Ford's son in this movie the, and this is the so chosen cool one sort of yeah. yeah yeah and that's 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 what for like the typical story would be and then it, it pulls the rug out from under him and says no you're, you're you are a replicant yeah. and uh actually he has a daughter and you know this you and and when I think about that I'm like wow that just made the movie so much better to me than if they just took the general you're his son route and you know that came out that and the last Jedi came out within like two months of each other and I thought oh we're in this kind of bold brave new era of cinema where we're really evolving kind of how we tell stories and then we kind of went back away from that <laughs> yeah, well, yeah you're right hopefully it'll you're come right. back around hopefully yeah, yeah. i hope so too so. gotta take those chances i mean there's so many new things that come out that i didn't know i could love but i end up and what, what do you know i know i know we're kind of going to just a tad off topic here but i kind of want to get your opinion on this on this guys um for me i hate this mentality of people who are like well if if I liked one, two, and three, but four is different, I now can't like any of it. <laughs> you know, I I just don't follow that no, mindset because no, because I feel like why can't you love the thing in a vacuum? You know, why can't you love what you love to begin with? You know, it's like you, when you, you guys the same when page? I think about being yeah, when I think about being a kid, and I played with the action figures. I always say with Star Wars, 
I always created my own stories. I knew they weren't canon. I didn't need them to be canon. There's too much of an importance on canon anyway, in my opinion. But I would always have Han Solo develop Force powers and become a Jedi. And it was this whoa moment, you know, and it was fun for me. And my point to that being, you know, we kind of lose sight of that, uh, lose sight of it when we get older because you're, you, everything gets taken way too seriously and your expectations get involved. When I was a kid, I didn't care about that shit. I was just excited for a Power Rangers movie to be in theaters now, to go see, you know, a new Mortal Kombat or to see a new Star Wars with new characters and see a younger Obi-Wan and play with these new toys and get everything kind of put them all out there and just kind of intermingle and, and see how it all kind of like fits together, you know? And I mean, I just, when you get older, it, it changes and, and everyone gets an opinion and everyone has so much accessibility to their hot takes and it gets, it kind of corrupts our sort of innocence that we once had and why we enjoyed these things in the first place. And then it, then you see people breaking a Rose Tico action figure because oh they're so unhappy God, about yeah. this character. And it's like, dude, build a bridge with Legos and get over it. Like, this is ridiculous bullshit. I mean, remember why you love this yeah, stuff in the first place. fanfic and just sort of, like, invest in yeah! your own kind of, uh, you know, interpretation. That's what I did when I, saying. you know, I was on the uh, the Bungie, the old Bungie forums is, you know, if you didn't like something, you just write a separate story about it. And, you know, that's that kind of transformative fandom can help you sort of appreciate uh, your enjoyment of a franchise more rather than focusing on the hate and the negativity around it. It's just like invest in the things that are going to help you sort of healthily engage with something that you don't like rather than just sort of spewing hatred on the internet. Yeah. People, you know, they get weird ideas in their heads. I've, I've struggled with this in the past when I was younger where it's like, you know, let's say Halo Infinite comes out and it is the best Halo since, you know, for the purists since Halo 3 or maybe it's even better. But if Halo Infinite acknowledges Halo 4 and 5's canon in the game, they'll go, well, I, I, I don't like any of it. It's all, it's all garbage to me. But it's like, if you know that you love it, if you know that it's great, it's enjoyable, you like it, why are you letting the superficial, yeah. like, 4 and 5 are still canon hurt your, like, just enjoy it all. I love this. I, I brought this quote up, like, literally a few episodes ago from David Canland on the HBO Bungie forums, mm. where he said he just read... Cryptum. This was back when Cryptum came out. He said he just read it, and he was surprised to find out that, that the Forerunners were a caste-based species as separate from humans. And then somebody replied and said that they were, a fan replied and said that they were upset that he said that, because since he was a creative behind Halo, it makes it seem like they can't take Cryptum seriously because he had different interpretations. And he said two things that stuck with me. He said, one, I'm a UI designer. Don't let don't think that because I had these thoughts that I had any in impact on the story. And secondly, it's all entertainment. It's mm -hmm. all fun. Enjoy it. I'm going to buy the second book. And that's just a great mentality. Like, if you actually enjoyed it, despite it not going the way you wanted, why not read the next People one? really want to sort of uh, project the ways they feel onto sources of authority the devs and that like no matter what kind of position that they hold you know and, and you know they sort of look at them as this kind of monolithic entity where they all think the same way when they all disagreed like even amongst themselves about their own thing that they were creating it's never this immaculately conceived artistic you know product it's it's a product of compromise over many years across many you know hundreds of people <laughs> It's just kind of a baffling sort of um, perspective to have, I think. Yeah, it's like, I think fans are fans of things. 
until it's not convenient to their preferences. It's mm. like, you know, like the good moment, good, well put the moment something is like not to their interests, it's ruined and it's tainted. And I mean, I say this because I was guilty of it with three, four, three with halo four initially. And then master chief collection is coming out and I'm like, this is what I want. This is amazing. And I'm like, you're giving me the Halo I remember. I can play Halo 2 multiplayer forever. I was so wrong about that. I love Halo 2 multiplayer, but like, I want new stuff. But I was at the time, I was like that. And then it comes out, and it shits the bed at launch. And I'm like, and you guys fucked this up, too. You're fucking with me. You know? <laughs> I, was, I was so upset. I was like, they couldn't do anything right. And I was just looking for reasons to, like, shit on them. And then every time, for me, I was very much invested in that circle jerk of, like, here's why 343 sucks. And it just is not good. Because the moment I realized I didn't like Halo 4 at the time just completely changed it all for me. And... It really took me talking to Brian and listening to him to, to, to pull me back in and make me realize, like, I was just being young and immature and stupid because I was like, that should not ruin the rest of it. And even though there's, like, you guys understand and grasp the lore far better than someone like myself does. But even though some of that stuff goes way over my head sometimes and I have to, like, listen to you guys to have it make sense to me... Uh, it's it's never stops me from enjoying any of it, you know. Like I, it's it's just like with Halo Five, the campaign, eh, it's fun to play, but the story I'm not as big on. But the multiplayer, love it. It's amazing. You know, it does not stop me from still loving Halo. And I come away and I'm like, Halo Five is nostalgic for me. I love it. I don't know why people have to get so make or break over yeah. things. You know? Acknowledging you were wrong is the first part of growing. You know, like Alex and I both had very visceral reactions to Halo Five. What, and obviously, I wasn't like publicly around per se then, but obviously there there were there were things we said or did immediately after finishing Halo Five that we wouldn't condone now. No, it's, it and, was a learning process of how to be a better fan. You know, yeah, it's, Alex, it's, I got to tell you, man. One of the things, um, one of my favorite things about you, man, is that when I see you on Twitter, you're just, I mean, you're talking about stuff that you love and why you love it. I feel like I've said that before, but like it is so. Uh, it's inviting. It's an inviting presence of like, come here and just like sharing this. And I mean, you have the your Halo articles that you do, or sometimes you do some other stuff, you know, like Last Jedi 1 and whatnot, which I love that, by the way. I think Thank of you. that all the time now when you talk about JJ's mystery box. I, I always think. I've read that two or three times. <laughs> yeah, so it's super good. But it's like, it's very, it's very inviting. And even when there's like stuff that's uh, like the, the recent gold, the, the, the Xbox Live pricing, just anything, it, you know, you handle it so well. And, it's so rare to see. Thank you very on much. On the internet to see people. I'm sure there are people who disagree vehemently with that. But uh. I know, you know, I mean, but look, like you don't have to uh, agree with you on something to like, uh, I hate that too. Someone can be like, you know, I disagree with Alex or I disagree with Brian or Josh on something. It's like, fuck them. You know, I don't, I mean, excuse my language, but it's just like, I hate when people get so, you know, only a Sith deal is an absolute. I cannot stand when people are like that. It's like. That's literally why you have the articles. Yeah. Like people, if they were to go to read that, they could understand a lot of the stuff. I, see, I, it, I do get that comment quite a bit. It's like you know, oh, I don't agree with everything he says. It's like good, awesome. You know, I don't don't expect you to uh, to yeah. sort of just you know, read what I say and then say yes, no, he's right and hundred percent, and I agree with everything he said. Because uh, it's about starting a discussion, really, and uh, sort of getting those different perspectives. I mean, in that's, there. Yeah, yeah, that's literally how uh, Alex and I's uh, friendship started. Mm -hmm. Was he had a he had an opinion on Halo Three that. 
everyone was just berating him on. <laughs> and I, I and I didn't really agree at the time, but I was just like, hey, do you want to come talk on the podcast about it? Where, or where we're not going to be like on Twitter dealing with character limits and just... Because we'd certainly yeah, spoken but, like on and off before then and we were aware of each other's yeah. presence, but uh, that was yeah. very much the uh, sort of what sort of brought us together. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about um, it. Yeah. So I just, I just think it's, yeah, I just think it's really good to, you know, if, if you've had your feet planted in an opinion for a long time and you realize one day that it's bad opinion or it's a toxic opinion, it's better to crawl yourself out and admit it and move on than to just double down in the position. And that goes for all <laughs> things. That's not just gaming. That's just, that's just that's life. All just life in general. Like it's okay. Cause like generally good people, unless you've done something horrific, but generally good people, if you come out and say, you know what? My mind, my perspective has changed. I was wrong to think this way. I'm going to change from here. People go, I appreciate that. I respect that. You're good with me. Let's let's move on. Yeah. You know? so. Just got to step outside of your fan base as your main personality trait, and then suddenly life opens up to you. Well said. <laughs> yes, I completely agree with that. Josh, is this where we want to take end it, or do you yeah, we'll stop this to... one here. No, no, that's okay, a good yeah. good conversation to cap it off yeah. on too. Yeah, it was a good episode. And uh, what are we going to be? Co- do you, Josh, do you know what we're going to be covering on the next episode? <gasps> yeah, we're going to be covering. I don't know why I sound like I just got a hernia, but um, we're going to be covering a lot more stuff. Mostly, mostly uh, we're going to get more heavier into the vid docs and and bring uh, it more into some of the talks about Spartan Ops. Uh, a lot more about the score. Uh, I always mispronounce his name, Neil David. David. <laughs> Neil David. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and and I want to poke your brain about that, Alex, because you got to meet him. Was it? Yes. To him? Very yes. So I definitely want to talk to you about that. Um, just just a lot more. A lot I'm more. excited. We're trying to get to the moment where we can just dive deep into the actual story that played out in Halo Four. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're gonna do, guys. We're uh, just to be clear for you, the uh, all listening. We're kind of, as you see, kind of progressing through, sort of leading up to the release of Halo, and once we kind of get to that point. That's when we'll probably go into uh, just talking about the campaign in general and the levels. And, and Brian, the response to these episodes has been really good. People really enjoy them, and awesome. people already heard people say they re-listened to them. And you know, so uh, it's just I wonder that. why, <laughs> Mr. Haruth, yeah. which is this is great. I this is so much fun to do this. I am so glad we're still doing this. And and man, guys, like we said before on one of the last episodes, we got to find some way to put this in a little like the Haruspis. The, the Haruspis collection, you know, like yeah, the that, dusty you got the leather bound book. collection. You got yeah. the Alex Haruspis collection. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said earlier, you know, the Halo Four era is kind of trapped in its own space, and it yeah. hasn't really got fleshed out at all. So it's nice to add this to it to give people can listen to this and kind of have a, an insight to that time. Either if they were there, they can rehear it, or if they weren't, they can kind of get an idea for it. So, but anyways, guys, we're uh, we like to ramble here at Sacred Icon, you know that. So, but we will uh, we'll get out of here. Um, as always, you can find me at Brian's Bane. You can find Josh at Jovial Joshy. That's me. You can find Alex at Haruspis. Um, he has a blog that's haruspis.blog. Pause it right now and go follow him so you guys don't forget. <laughs> Continue, Brian. I'm so unpaused. Uh, great content there. And uh, just to make it simple, guys, uh, if you want to write in an email, you can send that to sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. Nice. You can find us on Twitter at sacredicon. And if you feel like going to support the patron and get some swag, that's patreon.com slash sacred icon podcast. So bang, bang. thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Um, glad to have you again, Alex. And we look forward to recording. We love next. Alex so much. Always glad to be on. If you can't tell, we, we really like to <laughs> we boost him up here. Um, but uh, yeah, we're uh, looking forward to the next episode of the Haruspis Retrospective. And we will see you guys next time on the Sacred Icon podcast. And as always, keep it sacred.